Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. It's Wednesday on the North Shore Drive podcast here on the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We have a special guest here, Mark Gorshak, former Steelers scout, recently retired. He has amassed 28 years of experience in the NFL and with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to pick his brain as well as Ray Fittipados and Jason Mackey. It's going to be a fun episode here for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports, from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, we do the show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We did take Monday off for Memorial Day, but we're back in action here this Wednesday. And of course, we'll be on Friday. But you can get all this content as well as all the daily content that comes out from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette at post-gazette.com or on our podcast channels or on our YouTube page. All of that can be found for free on YouTube, so check us out there. As I said before, we're joined by Mark Gorshak, longtime Steelers scout, recently retired, 28 years of experience. Mark, you joined the Steelers in 1995. I was in first grade that year. I'm trying to think, I, I had to think back to how long ago that's been. But for those who might not be familiar, Mark Gorshak isn't just any – NFL scout who's been with the Steelers for a long time. If you watch the 40-yard dash, he was always the guy on TV running that. Players telling him, hey, I, I've always wanted I've always wanted to, to meet you. I've been waiting my life to be able to run. You be the guy that starts my 40-yard dash. He also played high school senator Joe Montana. He has a lot of legendary stories. Mark, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you here. Chris, I appreciate it. I know you go by Christopher, such a formal name. And, and <laughs> I want to clarify one thing. Didn't retire, just graduated. That's all. Oh, graduate. I like I like the way I like the way you think. I like the way you no. think because you still got a lot of stuff going on. Oh, I got a lot of life left in me. That's why that's one of the reasons why I graduated. You know, after uh, twenty eight years and I coached for fourteen, sixteen years prior to that. So I've been involved in football my whole life. And I still want to give back to the game in some form, some fashion. I mentor a lot of young men and women right now. And mm-hmm. that's always gonna continue happening because you have to give back. Absolutely. And you've given back a lot. And in your time with the NFL, I wanted to get some talk just from you, just perspective from you, because I've learned a lot from you over the years and just meeting you and getting to hear your stories. But I think one thing that you can offer perspective, you can offer the perspective of you've been with the Steelers since 1995. You have seen them grow from Bill Cower to Kevin Colbert to, to Mike Tomlin and now Omar Khan. Give us some of the things that you think have changed the most about the Steelers and then maybe something that has stayed the same over all of that time? I really don't think there's a lot of change. You know, the names have changed, changes, the face of changes. Uh, the philosophies are all always similar. You know, Mike, Mike uh, T, uh, he coined the phrase the standard, the standard, but we all had to learn that standard. Mm. And the standard's pretty easy, okay? You know, there's a mystique here in Pittsburgh, you know, with sports in general particularly the Steelers and even the Pirates and the Penguins, for God's sakes, and all Pitt, you know, Pitt, Duquesne, Robert Morris, you name it. 
we're sports fans and, and we have affection for our sport teams. But, you know, when you say the standard, you know, it's about the team. You know, it's not about your ego. It's not about who you found, what you did. It's about the team. And anytime you, you claim something, that's ego. And Pittsburgh Steelers aren't egos. It's the team. And if you're going to claim somebody, like I always tell people, if I want to claim who, who I found, mm-hmm. I better claim all my screw-ups, too. Like, I gave Tom Brady free agent grade. So do 31 other teams. Exactly. One team drafted him in the sixth round. There's going to be some people lie their butts off. No, I gave him a first-round grade and all that stuff. <laughs> that's legends. You know, that's what lore is all about. What do you think is the biggest thing that stayed consistent with the Steelers that makes them so consistent? Because even beyond Mike Tomlin, they, they, the Steelers are perennially at the top of the league, a playoff contender. It's very rare. In my lifetime, I, can't, I only think of a handful of times when they haven't been a team that's at least been in, have a shot to make the playoffs at the end of the year. What makes the organization like this? Well, I just think we have strong leadership throughout between Bill Carr, Mike T., uh, you know, you got to throw Tom Donahue in there too mm-hmm. because he steered that ship very, really, very really well too. Until Kevin took, took until Kevin came aboard, and uh, Omar's going to do a great job. He just needs more experience at it, and the time, you know, time will tell. You know, the baseline right now, he's trending in the right direction. There's no question about that. Did a great job replacing Kevin. To me, Kevin's a Hall of Fame general manager, and that's tough to do. And I thought he did a he did a really good job this year. He's he's pointing in the right direction. You know, but when you start looking at it, it's all about leadership. And the one thing that Mr. Rooney used to always say that I always picked up on when he was alive, for God rest his soul, between him and my dad and most influential people in my life, he always had a phrase about let it simmer. In other words, don't make a quick decision. Think it over. What are the ramifications? Okay, what are all possible solutions? And then make the decision. He, he was never one to make something quick. He, he always said, let it simmer, let it simmer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a, a great philosophy to have. And I think we follow that. We, we're not making rash decisions here. We think things through. I, I hear you on that. And I, I, that's something that I think I've, I've talked about a lot in just my few years of covering the Steelers and being able to see and to study them closer is to see, like, the Steelers don't make knee-jerk reactions. There are teams that jump on things and, and, and kind of get on them quickly. And there's certain things that you need to do just on the nature of football, the nature of life. But – there's plenty of things that you don't that, that you got to that you don't just move your entire philosophy that you built an entire institution that is the Pittsburgh Steelers off of to do that. And I think part of that is exemplified in the transition from Kevin Colbert to Omar Khan. Mark, lots of fans are 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 celebrating the Steelers draft, even though they just got to rookie camp and they're doing OTAs right now. But they're celebrating it. It's a great hit. And listen, I think that the Steelers draft that the, the Hall was brought in was great. I had a lot of those guys ranked with some of my top players in the draft class. But a lot of people are starting to say, oh, Omar Khan is so much better than Kevin Colbert. He wouldn't have made those moves. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the guy who did trade up for Troy Polamalu and did bring in Ben Roethlisberger and did trade up for San Antonio Holmes and all the other moves that he made in his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's let's give him some credit. But can you illustrate for us just how how similar or different they the, the, those two are as as people, maybe not as just general managers, but how they operate? Uh, you can go talk to both of them. You go in their office, they're real people, they're family men. You know, I have no issue talking to Omar at all, nor Kevin. You know, you could tell them, you get some deep conversations and tell them some deep stuff, and, and they respect you, and they, they listen. They both listen, but you have to have an ear to listen in this profession or any profession. You know, I just think that's really important. You know, like, you know, drafts, 
You know, I've been here 28 years. There's been drafts where we got uh, C, D grades, and they turned out to be really good. And there's been drafts where we got A grades, you know, and they turned out to be bad. We had a bad draft grade with Troy Palmolo. Everybody thought he was a bust. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, mm-hmm. so you just don't know, you know. Like I said, it all goes back to the baseline. What's, what's it going to trend three to four years down the road? That's going to determine you know, whether or not we had a good draft or not. You know, everybody who gives us these draft grades, what do they really know? They're guessing like everybody else, you know. We're all guessing. Exactly. We're in the profession of taking subjectivity and making it to objectivity. Mm-hmm. All the scouts and the coaches, we blend that. Omar has to blend that all in together, okay, and make him into a stealer. And what's he taking? He's taking subjectivity. All the scouts' opinions, the coaches' opinions, okay, and we're getting opinions from the college coaches that we talk to about the character on these young men, okay, about how smart they are with football, what kind of people, what kind of workers, what kind of leaders. And it's, and it's all a subjective opinion. Then we're trying to make it to objectivity, okay? That's going to be programmed to fail in cases, too. And it has. But we also hit – we are batting average is pretty darn good, too. But you know, It is. That's, that's just uh, the nature of it. So people put draft grades on everybody. Who knows? Three years from now, four years from now, they'll tell the tale. I agree. And I do this all the time when people ask me, Chris, what do you grade this draft? And I'm like, man, I hate grading drafts because you don't know who these people are. There's plenty of people that think, oh, this team knocked it out of the park. Four years down the line, it might not be be the case. And I always say that all the time. It's like, listen, as far as how I valued them, and I always say it's my values. It's just me as Joe Schmo who runs a podcast and, and, and writes about this stuff. But I'm not the person like you who gets who, who gets into the facilities, who talks to them as collegiate players, who follows them, who studies them with resources that aren't available to everyone out there. These are things that I think you get an opportunity to see and that people like us, we can see a glimpse of them and then we make our best guesses and go from there. And I think one of the biggest guesses that have come out is people wondering about the, the guy who's set to be potentially the next franchise quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and that, of course, being Kenny Pickett. And I'm a guy, I covered Kenny. I wrote about Kenny. I saw, I saw him play in college, but I didn't get a chance to see him like you guys. What are you guys as a front office, if you think back to, to, to the draft process and even before the draft process when you guys were watching him, what were the things that made him special to you guys and made him think that, hey, this could be the next franchise guy right after Ben Roethlisberger? He loves the process. Mm. He truly loves the process. He's, a, he's an early guy, stay late guy. On a Friday, Usually everyone's out of the building by 12, 30, 1 o'clock, the latest. That's the coaches, too. It's a time to chill and relax for a moment. So you just put a hard week weekend. You just came off a game, whether it was Sunday, Monday night, and you got to grind all that tape. You got to put practice plans together. The players got to heal and all that stuff. He's still watching tape in the building when no one else is there. He Even as a rookie. You know, and he has that quiet, cool it factor to him, mm. you know, where people gravitate towards him, too. You know, those are intangibles that you can't, you know, everyone everyone says trust the process. Well, you got to be committed to the process, and he's committed to the process. And that's a big difference. It's not trusting the process. It's about being committed to it. I hear you on that. And that seems very much like who Kenny Pickett is. And we've just only seen the start of it with him being a rookie. We're seeing him in OTAs here continue this. He's Mark Gorshak. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We would love to have you back very soon right on this show. Thanks again for joining us. We got Ray Fittipaldo, though, coming up. We got to update you guys on what's been happening in OTAs since we have, we've been off uh, with Memorial Day weekend. We'll be back right after this. 
Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We switched to Ray Fittipaldo, one of our Steam Steelers beat writers, who wrote the story about Mark Gorshak, the most interesting scout in the world. If you can, if you, if you liked what we did, what we talked to, to Mark in the first segment, and you want to get more about his life and what his career was like, do Ray reads Ray's piece. It was awesome. He did it back in the middle of May. But Ray, I want to talk to you about the, the right here and now, and that's the Steelers and OTAs. Another day went by, and you wrote, wrote about Mark Robinson, who we had the, who had the pleasure of speaking speaking with uh, on on the Tuesday practice as the Steelers resumed from the holiday weekend. And Mark Robinson's in an interesting position, right? Because this is a guy who played running back in college. He came in, he was, he was a seventh round pick for the Steelers last year, had some like, you know, really cool camp moments with the way he was able to hit. Uh, and there was, there's a lot of people I think kind of excited to see could he grow into position. But of course the Steelers had a complete swap of everyone who was in front of him in the linebacker room. Uh, and when we talked to him today, he kind of noted that and uh, kind of accepted it, but seemed ready to kind of just take whatever next step he has in front of him. Yeah, I mean, he was in a really interesting position. I mean, he was the low man on the totem pole last year, the youngest guy, the rookie in a room full of vets, and now all those guys are gone. And he talked yeah. about how much he enjoyed playing with those guys and how much he appreciated those guys teaching him. Now, I, I know it wasn't a banner year for those inside linebackers. We've been over that. That's why they brought in Cole Holcomb. That's why they brought in Landon Roberts. So, um, you know, Robinson, he's in a position now where he can say, okay, they got their two starters. Let me see if I could be the top backup. You know, he's getting all these reps now in OTAs because Holcomb is, is out. He's recovering from offseason foot surgery. So I think it's a great opportunity for Mark Robinson to show the coaches what he can do. And uh, we'll see. You know, Chris, they, they had Quan Alexander in here a couple of weeks ago. He left without signing a deal. Maybe they're just waiting to see what Mark Robinson can do before they go out and make a move. Maybe. And that could that could that could be an interesting thing to see. Uh, you know, and, and I guess that's part of what you have is time to figure those things out. But to display what you were talking about when he when when Robinson addressed both his former teammates in the linebacker room and his new ones, he was kind of emphatic about like he how his connection with that of Miles Jack and Devin Bush. Here he was on Tuesday after the after the Steelers resumed OTAs. Man, I miss my guys, man. I'm going to say that first. I love them boys, man. Appreciate everything they taught me. Uh, I talked to them, man. Got a lot of go- a lot of love, a lot of respect for those guys. But uh, E. Rob and Five Five coming in and bringing that uh, just a veteran pace, understanding. That's classroom on the field, and I'm gonna do me, and I'm gonna uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna just absorb whatever they learn on the table. So part of I think what was interesting there, you know, he, one, he's crediting both Devin Bush and Miles Jack. And like you said, there weren't guys that lit it up last year and that they're not on the team anymore. And he thanked them for that. But he's also looking forward to learning from guys like Landon Roberts. And he called 5-5. Five five. That's 
Cole Holcomb. Um, I think it's interesting, and we talked to Landon Robert, Roberts about this last week too, but well, he's he's ready to give his veteran experience, but he kind of recognizes that he's not going to be any sort of captain on the defense when you got players like T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and Mika Fitzpatrick and guys who've been here for quite some time. But, Ray, how, how do you think that's going to be a challenge to balance kind of being a leader in a, as a role model, as a guy that, that mentors, but also not trying to impede upon the actual leaders of the defense that are already established. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Landon Roberts and Holcomb as well. I mean, they could be leaders within that own little inside line, linebacker's room. And I, I think the coaches would expect that of them. Now, I understand what Roberts was saying about having 97 and 90 and all these other vets you know, well-established in front of them from a leadership perspective. But I think guys like Mark Robinson need some positivity and need some leadership and need some mentorship. So I, I would expect both those guys, you know, vets in this league, Roberts is what, seven or eight-year guy, yeah. Holcomb, five or six-year guy. So I would expect, expect both those guys to take Mark, you know, under his wing. He's a really interesting guy. I mean, you, you mentioned last year he had some moments in camp He's got this reputation um, of being a good run stopper, but we saw in practice that, uh, you know, he, he could play pass defense too. He had a nice interception return for a touchdown that he talked about as well. So mm-hmm. um, any inside linebacker is going to have to do both. But it is interesting. When Mark Robinson finally got to play late in the season, uh, played against Carolina, really good running team last year, and, of course, the last two games, Ravens and Browns. Um, I haven't looked at the stats lately, but I want to say both those teams were top five or at least top ten rushing teams by the time the season ended last year. So that was his niche last year. But if he wants to be number three this year, I think he's going to have to show that he can also play pass defense. And it looks like he's on his way to maybe doing that. But there's also the chance that I think could still be on the table here is that he's becoming he will he'll become the number four if they go and get another guy. And Ray, I wanted to ask you, what's the reality that the Steelers still might do that? I know they signed Marcus Golden and he was there to talk with uh, the media on Tuesday as well, and he seemed like a, like he was nice and excited to fit in as a form as a Steelers fan himself. But uh, you know, talking about you know this situation, Quan Alexander maybe maybe he's not off the table, or at least someone of his caliber isn't off the table for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, if they make that move now, Chris, I think they would wait until after June minicamp is over. Uh, that's just mm. my gut feeling. I don't know that for sure, but um, in the past, I think they've kind of let things play out. You know, the guys who are here, let them see what they can do. And then they'll talk after minicamp is over and they'll say, okay, hey, either Mark Robinson can handle this role or he can't. We got to go out and make this move. So maybe we approach Quan Alexander with a little bit more money than we were previously offering. Or maybe we still go out and get some other guys who are still on the market. And there are a few out there who are still um, available. Kyle Van Noy being one of them. He's long in the tooth. He's 32 years old. Um, but he's, he's one of those guys who is still out there. So I think any move they make now might be like a late, ju- uh, late June, early July type of signing. I, I just think they're going to let things play out now and see what uh, guys like Mark Robinson and some other young guys can do at that position. Yeah, that's certainly going to be something that, that they have time to do because, again, you know, they got Marcus Golden in free agency. It's not like free agency has a whole bunch of superstars waiting on them, but I, I think that there's still a good pool of veterans that you that you could still tap into and just see how they fit because 
even if you get a guy who's talented, they may not be the right fit. They may not want to play for, play, play for you. They may want to, you know, start. They may, they may have their own agenda for what they're trying to do with their career. And that's just the natural part of free agency, right? You know, teams are looking for players, but players are also, also looking for not just paydays, but opportunities to set up future paydays. And so, um, I think that's absolutely something that's that's part of it here. Um, but I, I also think that this isn't something the Steelers are going to overlook. I think they're going to take a very close look at how Roberts and Robinson handle themselves in these OTAs, and then how Cole Holcomb is healing uh, as as he gets as he starts to get closer to that, and, and take a real assessment and say, do they need to invest more in the linebacker position, or are they solid it because. In all the the best Steelers teams that have existed, off ball linebacker, the inside linebacker group, they've been very important. They, you know, even if they, have, even if James Ferrier was an older version of himself, he was still a huge part of that defense. And I just think that if this team is going to ascend, if this team is going to to have a good year, this group has to be able to at least be solid. It doesn't have to lead the defense, but be reliable. Yeah, Chris, they are thin there. Beyond the Landon Roberts, Cole Holcomb, and Mark Robinson. There's just Chappelle Russell, who's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. He's played for the Buccaneers and the Jaguars. He spent last season on the Steelers practice squad. And then there's Tanner Muse. And I I think everyone thinks that Tanner Muse is going to be a really good special teams player, but he's never proven himself as a linebacker in this league. So I think people assume he's going to continue on in that same role. So, yeah, I mean, I I think Tanner Muse is going to be on this team. I think he's going to be a good special teams player. But to your point, you need four solid, good inside linebacker options, especially with Holcomb coming off that injury and the kind of uncertainty that um, is there right now with that position. Absolutely. He's Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're going to all be at OTAs all week long, so continue to get that coverage at post-gazette.com. You can all get all the written stories that we have here. We're going to switch topics real quick. We talked Steelers with two different guests today, but we're still going to get to Jason Mackey with Pittsburgh Pirates and their trip out to San Francisco. He's covered, He's been covering that live out there. We're going to talk about some buckos right after this break here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We switched from Steelers talk to Buckos talk. The Pirates pulled out a slim 2-1 win, and they've gotten back to 500 as of Wednesday morning, but they finished their series against the San Francisco Giants, 345 Eastern time. And, of course, Jason Mackey, who's on with us now, is going to be there covering it all live. Jason, it seems like it's another chance where the Pirates are 1-1 in a series, and they have a chance to win a series, something they haven't done since April, and it's the last day of May. Uh, what did they do right to win? And is there a chance? Do you see them actually pulling this out and getting the series win with Keller on the mound uh, Wednesday afternoon? Yeah, Chris, they've had a lot of these situations. It reminds me of a couple of years ago. I think it was 2021 um, where they lacked the sweep and they'd win the first two and they'd always lose the third one. And now we're seeing a lot of their split have a chance to win a series, at least in May, and they blow it. Um, what they did last night, I, Frankly, I didn't have a problem with last night's game. I'm going through my email with a lot of people frustrated about the number of times they struck out. I get it. Um, Not every offensive performance is going to be a beauty. Sometimes it's tough in a bullpen game where you don't really get a feel for the opposing pitcher. What I liked about last night, Chris, was the bullpen, though, the Pirates' bullpen. I thought they were really good. Jose Hernandez, uh, Dari Moretta, Colin Holderman, David Bednar really held it there. Oviedo did enough to get by, um, and frankly, they need to continue doing that. Um, you have a shortened 
window you'll probably need to cover with Mitch Keller on the mound. By and large, Mitch has been really, really good this season. I think this would do this team a, a world of good to get a series of, to get a series victory. It was much different around that team last night. They've been looking for something positive to happen. I feel like they kind of did last night, and they need to build on it. How has the spirit of this team endured? Because one of the things that you highlighted, even beyond the the playing on the diamond, was how this team was unified, the spirits, the the camaraderie, everything that they were building up towards. It seemed like the Pirates had a had a positive vibe in the in the clubhouse. That's t- very tough to impossible sometimes to maintain when you're losing as much as they did in May. But is there still a semblance of that, or has has that maintained when, when you're when you're covering this team? Well, it, it hasn't, and it's impossible given what they did in May to keep that going. Like you'd, you'd look like a bunch of fools if you were there celebrating mm-hmm. in a crazy way. But I think that's one of the things that made this team special. I really do. Through 20 and 8, this was such a fun team to be around, and I talked about it with you. I've written about it, all that stuff. Uh, you know, there, there are fun stories. They're just, you know, they get along well. It, it, and, and again, this isn't stuff that people necessarily want to hear in the middle of a losing streak. I get that. But if you're going to dig out of it and sort of lean into each other and and find some of that positivity again, one, I think you can do it. And two, I'm curious if we didn't see signs of it last night. I was standing outside the Pirates clubhouse, and there's been a lot of different versions of this throughout the season. Early on, and I wrote this in the game story, you, we were outside of St. Louis and like the walls are literally shaking in Bush Stadium. That's how loud they're playing this music. Guys are mm. yelling and screaming, having a good time. I've also been outside of the clubhouse where you could hear a pin drop after losses and it's just this beaten down team. Last night we're outside and you could hear screaming and banging and, and you know, all this stuff. And I brought it up to Derek Shelton. He said, yeah, I, I heard them celebrating and, uh, you know, kind of with a wry smile, Connor Joe said the same thing. Like, it was a little taste of what we saw before. And so it was the first time I've sort of seen this poke out. There, the, I think they won six games prior in May. And so I, how has it endured? It, it has gotten trampled on, quite frankly, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's gone for good. Like, I do think it can come out relatively quickly. No, I hear, I hear you on that, and you wrote about that in uh, a bit in your piece. Uh, we're excited about this one with the Pirates, hoping they found traction after a one-win run against the Giants, and we'll find out again three forty-five Eastern time. But I want to take a step back and ask you how you feel about Derek Shelton and just what he's done, and how the Pirates' coaching and management has has done to kind of to help this team figure out, fight their way through their prop their problems in May. Oftentimes, coaches get blamed for everything under under the sun. Anytime that there's something that there's losing, that there's mistakes, it's the coach's fault. And sometimes you take a step back and like, well, maybe maybe not this, maybe not that, but certainly there there are factors here. How much do you place on Derek Shelton right now? The problems that they've had in May, and how well do you think he is going? He he has kind of managed the situation to be able to be like, hey, in the next couple months, this is just going to be part of the past, and this team will be to playing more competitive baseball uh, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I I give Shelton a lot of credit for how he's handled it. I don't think he's handled everything right, believe mm-hmm. me. Like some of his in-game moves I don't love. Um, you know, I, I was talking about it when it happened, pulling Mitch Keller out when he did. Um, he hasn't had very many good options to go to in the seventh inning. Some of his lineup construction is odd. But, again, we're talking big picture here and how you're navigating this stuff. He's kept it largely positive. He hasn't let things 
really get ugly. I mean, they haven't turned the corner and played very good baseball this month. A lot of teams have bad months and bad stretches. I mean, look at the St. Louis Cardinals right now. Like They started yeah. out terrible, and they've sort of found it. That's the job of a manager. That's the job of a halfway decent team to keep things together enough and to find ways to dig out. Now, we're getting to the point with the Pirates, we're probably here, honestly, where they need to show what they are. Like either you're – I mean, nobody expects them to be 28, 20, and 8 good, but you can't be 6 and 19 bad either. So they need, they need to find somewhere in the middle there, and I think that'll tell us a lot about Shelton. But I will say that they've shown signs of being able to dig out of this if certain things go their way. Um, if they hit the ball a little bit more, get a little bit more pitching. The fundamental stuff, I don't put all on Shelton. That sum is, is Charrington and the roster building. Like You can only do so much with the roster and the players that you're given. Right. And they have so many young guys – like people expecting Derek Shelton to magically turn them all into finished products is a little insane. You mm-hmm. like they are going to screw up. They're also going to show signs. I would argue if we all take a step back that they've done both of those things. They've certainly made boneheaded mistakes. I'm not a, I'm not trying to defend that, but we knew they were going to do that. We knew they were going to be over aggressive or have mental lapses or whatever. And it, again, We'll see if they come out of it. We'll see if they learn from them. But uh, let's not be naive and pretend this stuff wasn't going to happen. No, I, I'm right with you there because that's where I was kind of going with the whole coaching aspect is that this team, a lot of people still predicted this team to be very, very bad this year. And they are now still at 500 and, and battling their way through a, a very rough month, month of May. And so to me, Putting putting this all on Shelton as far as saying like oh man anybody you know any manager could have handled this this situation I, I, I'm not so sure I think that's part of why we need to see how the rest of the season plays out right because we need to see how how does he manage this how does this balance out in a very long season just like we were saying how will April balance out when we were saying like the the bad times are going to come at some point how will they manage them. I think it's the same thing with now the bad times are here. Good times are going to come at some point. How will this all balance out when the final when the, when the final uh, regular season record is put together? Chris, you know what I think is a disqualifier for me? If What's you that? would have told Pirates fans that they can have 27 and 27, I think that's what they are right now. Yeah, that's you correct. You would have taken that? Yeah, absolutely. Like you absolutely would have taken that. People absolutely. are all upset. Because it came in the chunk of 20 and 8, and you know, I'm not doing math. It's too early on the West Coast. Yeah, no, I hear but, you, man. <laughs> I mean, if there would have been a little trickle, like three good, three bad, three good, three bad, we wouldn't feel the need to have a referendum on how good the Pirates are. You'd just right. be happy that they're 500. They're showing progress. But because they teased, because they got everybody's hopes up, we're acting like this is the biggest darn thing in the world because they've had a crappy May. That has happened before. This team has had bad months. Good teams have had bad months. Now, again, I, I, I try to qualify every single one of those answers with this could be the trend. This could, could stick. Like they, they could be the team that they are in May. They've certainly been that team the past two years, so we shouldn't discount that. But like, let's also just keep in the back of our minds here that the Pirates are 500. Mm-hmm. I'm, there are I'm right with you. tragedies in the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you here. And again – if they end up 500 this year, in my book, that's that's outperforming that's what I expected season. it to be. Exactly. And, and bouncing back from where they've been. We've talked about all leading up to the season. The last three seasons were some really rough baseball for, for, the, for the Pirates. For them to be at 500 this year is a great sign with the young crew that they have right now. 
of what they could grow into in the coming years. So we'll see if that happens. He's Jason Mackey. He'll be, he's in San Francisco as we record this right now. He'll be at the ballpark there as they take on the Giants. And then after that, the Pirates come home. And like you said, the Cardinals are playing better. But still, the Cardinals, I'd say, are a step down from some of the teams they've had to play. And then they get the A's and the Mets. Mets playing good baseball with the A's. The worst team in baseball, it looks like right now. Maybe some chance for the Pirates to build back up a lead of, of wins over some of those losses that they've had. Jason Maxey, thank you again for joining us here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Also, thank you to former Steelers scout Mark Gorshak, who was, who was on with us for the first segment, and Ray Fittipaldo of the Steelers Beat, who was covering OTAs with us. We'll have another episode Friday. we got a special guest coming up. We'll let, just, we'll let that be a surprise of who's coming on the show. But we'll see you then right here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specrite para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.